this morning. No turning back for me. Amen. I'm going all the way. Looking to every divine promise. Seeing manifest in my life. Amen. Knowing God is my healer, my deliverer, my savior, my provider. Amen. The lover of my soul. Amen. How many can say I love him with all my heart? Amen. And if you don't, I pray that before this service is over, you'll come to know him. He is so lovely. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He'll always be there for you. More than some of the most difficult times of your life, he'll be right there because he's that kind of God. He's called a friend, a friend that'll stick closer than a brother. I'm glad for that today. Let's go to him in prayer and If you've got a need in your life, just hold it before the Lord right now. Father, as we go before your throne of grace, I lift my hand to you. Lord, those that are across the way that are listening in, joined in with us in this service today, just hearing, Lord, from over in South Africa and then Uganda, Brother Bus, listening in, joining in with us in the service And no doubt across the world, many, many others through Europe and Asia even will be listening in. And Lord, we pray that you'll bless your people. We thank you, Lord, that we have the means provided that that at this moment we can travel as it were like a thought. As our image and voice would be across the land that people will be hearing. And you said it would be this way in a day when travel would be vastly increased. Lord, there are many places in the world we can't go, but you can go there, Lord. And even today, our voice goes there. And so, Lord, because of that, we we want to be conscious that we preach only the word of God. Lord, that we don't lead anybody astray, but Lord, that we'll lead them to the cross, to you. If we can point them to you today, Their lives will be changed forever in your presence. I pray, Lord, that you'll speak to us and that you'll minister the word of God to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. If you'll turn with me to Genesis 18, we'll read from the first verse. Genesis 18 and verse 1. I'm sure this is getting familiar to you. But we want to look at it again, Genesis 18 and 1. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, speaking of Abraham. And he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. God bless you. Can be seated. I want to just say it's good to be home. Amen. Good to be here among you believers. And we were privileged to be able to go into... Um, Switzerland, they're flying to Geneva. And um, actually, first we were met in the airport in the Netherlands by Brother, Brother Dykstra, the father-in-law t- to your daughter, Brother Matt's sister, Mary. So, you know, we got to visit with them and he bought us breakfast. And then we flew on to Geneva. And from Geneva, we went on to, um, uh, over into France with Brother David um, and uh, we just had a wonderful time there with the, with the mayors. They were treated us royally and it was great, great, generous and gracious host. And um, 
you know, we, uh, of course, we had that wonderful time together with them. And his church is located just minutes from the Swiss border. And so they hosted the meetings. And uh, I so appreciated their wonderful hospitality. And you've uh, enjoyed Brother David Mayer ministering here. And, and he's quite the speaker, as you know. And so uh, we, were, we were blessed by um, you know, just having some time together and fellowshipping together and being able to minister. He rented a hall for the meetings because they came in from all over, from Germany, over from um, uh, Belgium, and uh, from, I think, maybe from Holland and, and England. Some made some real efforts to just fly across the, over into um, um, it, from England over into Geneva and come over into France for the meetings there. And, and uh, that was our brother Peter Chandler and also brother Junior by, by Vega who ministers in his church. And he came over to interpret the services into the French language. And this allowed us to preach to people that we don't normally reach. As you know, I, I'm just not real good in the French language. And uh, it reaches a whole, a whole uh, new audience of people. And so <clears throat> I've been invited to come there. And also we had friends came over from Germany. The family of my good friend, Brother Sigmar Kohlenbrenner, they, um, they came over, his widow, Sister Irene, and uh, two of his sons and a daughter. And uh, I was able to minister to them and especially to his widow, because Brother Sigmar passed away coming up a year this December from COVID and, and the Lord called him home. So it gave me a real opportunity to minister to that family and we love them and appreciate them and, and, and their love for the Lord and their desire to serve him. Other, other notables that were there was um, Brothers Francois, Francois Lippacar of Switzerland and Brother David Iberson from Belgium and Brother Peter Chandler from England. And we just had a wonderful time ministering to the people. I think they gathered from France and Switzerland and Germany and Belgium and, uh, and many other places around. And we streamed to faraway countries. Some entire churches just um, uh, joined in with us for the meetings. And so we just had a great time together. We had nearly 800 connections every service where uh, we were reaching, some of them would represent a church of 200 people or so that we were ministering to. So it gave us a tremendous opportunity to, to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ and encourage the bride of Christ. You know, we have a responsibility for that. We're not in this alone. And I'm glad we're not alone. You look around and you see who sits next to you. Aren't you glad you're not here by yourself? Amen. But there are others who love the Lord and, and encourage you in the present truth. And, and God has a bride from every kindred and tribe and tongue and nation and people. Sometimes, you know, you wonder, well, Brother Tim, why would you be interested in them? Why don't you just tend to your own little church? And, and why would you be interested in them? Because, you know, no matter how ready that we might be to or think we're ready to go, and we're ready for the rapture. Uh, the rapture is a little different from getting the Holy Ghost. You get the Holy Ghost, you can be the only one to meet and get the Holy Ghost. But um, when we come to a rapture, we're taking everybody. 
We're not leaving a hoof behind. And we're all going together at the same time. So, you know, if, if I can help somebody else get dressed and ready, then that's what we want to do. Amen. To encourage them to, to uh, move forward in the things of God. Amen. Good to see you, Sister Helen. So nice to have you. Must mean the baby's near. Huh? Come in close. All right. Well, uh, got Grandma in all the way from Canada, so that's wonderful. And take our love back to Brother Abe Weeb. We love him. He's a tremendous brother, and uh, we so appreciate him so much. Well, I appreciate you all. My brother Dan and Sister Danette's here. God bless you. So nice to have you in service after such a battle that y'all have been through. And, but we have, we have uh, prayed with you and for you all along the way. How many has been praying for them? All right. Well, thank you for those prayers. And at the end of the service, we're all going to have prayer for Sister Danette. She's going, been going through um, a little battle there with, um, had cancer in the spine. And they were able to remove that. And they've done some some, uh, some radiation treatments there on, on that area. And uh, she's progressing, being able to, you know, because she, she lost the use of her limbs. And so um, she's progressing, able to use them more and more. And we're just believing that step by step that she's just going to walk right into a, a well body. Amen. So that's what we do is we hold before us the image of a perfectly healed person. And then step by step, we walk into that. So today is just another step along the journey. Amen. I saw Brother James Lingo there with his two sons, got to meet them at the, at the sale the other day and, and got to shake their hands. And they said, this is a different kind of church than what we've been to. Said, you know, this one, we don't get bored here. And so, you know, there's always something that is happening. We just thank God for working on their lives. They see what God did for their daddy. They know God can do that for them. Amen. As you know, God took and transformed his life in just a moment. And that's the power of our Christ to be able to do that and to change a life. And that's what it's about. You know, um, preaching of the gospel is casting out devils. Amen. And, and that's what happens when you get saved, the devil is cast out and God comes in to live in the life and is the king on that throne. And if you get healed, it's the devil cast out. Not that you were a devil, but that the tormentor had to leave. So we know that that's the power of the, of the blood of Jesus Christ and what he is, is able to do for us. And and so, you know, it's good to be home next weekend. I'm going to be gone again, but the Timothy and I are going to the wedding of Joshua and Alexandra Pruitt. They're getting married on next Saturday. And um, I believe, uh, you know, to do what we can to try to invest in our young people. And so I want to be there for them in that. Uh, they asked me to be uh, a part of that wedding. So we are going to do that and uh, minister for Brother Wendell while we're there. And uh, so, you know, we... We, uh, there's just a lot to do and the Lord has been with us every step of the way. I want to thank you for your prayers. I made it through the trip of 10 hours of, uh, across the sea. That wasn't all the travel. Actually it's 24 hours from the time you get up to the time you get in bed It's 24 hours from, from bed to bed. If you know what I mean? So it takes 24 hours to get home. 
24 hours to get over there. But 10 hours of that journey is just in a, in a seat going across the sea. And the Lord was with us and was gracious. And um, I, I'll have to say I, I had less pain and less problems than any time in I don't know how long. Amen. So I thank you for your prayers. Amen. I couldn't help but think of that as I walked, you know, we'd go for a walk uh, around some of the pretty lakes in Switzerland. They'd let me take me out for a little walk every day and some walk about a mile and a half and come back and no pain. I'll tell you, it's the grace of God. So I want to thank you for your prayers and believing with me and and praying for me. I I tell you, the Lord has undertook and we thank him. You know, I, I don't have any... Um, grandiose ideas that I will be um, feeling like I'm 15 years old again. But, um, you know, I, I want to feel pretty good for 68, right? <laughs> Amen. That's what I say to people a lot of times. We pray for them and say, well, now take step by step into a perfectly well, well body. But, you know, if you're 70 years old, don't expect to feel 18. <laughs> expect to have a perfectly well 70-year-old. Amen. So, you know, get your expectations right because until we're changed, we're going to still have a lot of aches and pains. Our 50-year-old, our new 50-year-old up there, Brother Tim Winters, come dragging in this morning. Well, I got a pain. I said, I, I know what it means. You know, you're 50 now and it don't get better from now. You know, it, it gets, uh, you know, and if you're, you're laughing at us, you'll, you'll be here too soon, too soon. Amen. Life just comes and goes just like that. But you know, living for Jesus is an adventure. Amen. Walking with God is, is just going from glory to glory. Amen. So we love you all and appreciate you all. And, and we just heard some wonderful things of the meetings that you've had. You know, the Lord has blessed us with such convention services time after time. And it's just marvelous what the Lord has been doing in our midst. And people say, well, you can't have services like that all the time. Who said? (laughs) Amen. Who said? You come under expectation, God will move. So, you know, you, you expect God to move. God will meet your expectations. He responds to your faith. So you believe in him with all your heart and surrender your life to him. Now, I want to just pick up from the scripture from verse 9 of chapter 18 and read down through verse 15 to just kind of give us the context for where we're speaking today. And um, I'm going to be speaking on the ripening, the maturing and the ripening of our faith. So the maturing and the ripening of our faith. You know, Sarah was a woman that was a believer, but... Um, you know, she, she had to have her faith ripened and had to have it directed because sometimes it would even be misdirected by reasoning into the wrong direction. And of course, that produced an Ishmael. But anyway, in this, in verse 9, and they said unto him, where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent, which was behind him. Now it tells her circumstances. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore, Sarah laughed 
and within herself saying, after I'm wax old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Isn't that wonderful? Amen. At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. Now, today as we're looking at this, every man and woman, boy and girl that's born again of the Spirit of God has a measure of faith. In fact, a matter you can't come to God except that you believe that he is and that he rewards those that diligently seek him. And Brother Branham made this statement that I think is still pertinent to the time that we're at. I believe the church is beginning to hear the message and beginning to understand it. But friend, listen, we got to lay in the presence of the sun. We've got to be ripened. Our faith isn't ripe. Now listen, Brother Branham saying this. Our faith isn't ripe. Intellectually, we're hearing the message. So it's not we're not hearing the message, but intellectually we're hearing it that God has given us and seeing the signs that he showed us and proving it by the Bible is there. But oh, how the church needs to lay in his presence till it tenders up, you know, and gets sweet in the spirit so he can just bathe down. Sometimes in speaking the message, you get harsh and have to break in like that because you've got to clinch a nail to make it whole. But when the church once gets it, and the elected is called out and separated, then in the presence of God, I know it will be something like the people were there when it takes the rapture. And in context, he was speaking of when he went beyond the curtain of time and what was there was the fullness of the Holy Ghost. So let me read it like this. But when the church gets it and is set out and elected and called and separated, then in the presence of God, I know It'll be like it was there with the fullness of the Holy Ghost when it takes the rapture. So now, again, ripening doesn't mean that a mature church won't have the supernatural works of God, of healing and miracles and tongues and prophecy and shouting and dancing in the spirit. That is not immaturity. Those things happen in a mature church. Now, rather ripening is to change our faith from an intellectual belief to a real living faith that works. You see, faith that doesn't work is dead. Amen. So we want a faith that, that is alive. Amen. Because you can have faith and it's dead. Because he said faith without works is dead faith. So you can have faith. If it doesn't have works, it's dead. But real faith is a living faith. And that living faith produces works that follows that faith that proves it's alive. Now, you know, it's one thing for us to say, well, Jesus is alive. The whole world is saying that. But it's another thing for our faith to be alive. And our faith has to be quickened or made alive in order for it to work. 
Now, Brother Branham's gift was to tune the faith. In other words, you see, that's what Sarah's faith needed here. It was all out of tune. And, and it was tuned until it just had a dead sound. It's kind of like somebody tuning an instrument, a guitar, you know, and say, well, that, that string is dead. You know, it, it's, it's not ringing with life. It's not making the right sound. It's not matching the note. And our, our, our faith has to match the note of the Bible, of the word of God. Amen. This is what we want God to do is to raise our faith up to a level where it matches what God's word said. And when it matches what God's word said, then you're healed or you're saved or delivered or whatever the need is. It works when it matches what God's word said. Now, so faith, you see, like Sarah's faith, it was all out of tune. You can see here she's in the presence of God, the Almighty, and, ask, and has, has to be asked of God himself, is there anything too hard for me? You see, because she was still looking at things, and it was too hard. You know, even for God, it was too hard. You know, I, it's, it's impossible. I'm old. You know, shall I have pleasure now with my Lord? Uh, him is old also. You know, this is, uh, this is way out. And she is uh, kind of laughing or scoffing as she's hearing this because her faith is out of tune. And this is what's the matter with a lot of people. In fact, the matter is, when you get sick, you know what happens there is the dampness of that unbelief comes along and the strings of your faith gets loose and it is not matching God's word. In fact, it'll start ringing out what the doctor said and, you know, beaten to that rather than what God's word said. But it has to be tuned until it matches the level of God's promise. Now, faith, of course, will produce an atmosphere where that miracles can happen. Amen. Faith will produce an atmosphere even where our bodies will change. So you see, in order for us to be changed, we've got to be tuned up. And we've got to be brought up into an atmosphere of faith and of believing the word that all things are possible and that there is nothing too hard for the Lord. Now, Brother Branham told us in the message of Moses, he said, now, he said, friend, um, he talked about his gift. He said, that doesn't heal nobody. That only brings the person up in faith. And then when the person's here, he might come and tell me he's got faith and I take his word for it. But when you're under the anointing as it is now, you can't come and deceive that where I know when you've got faith or not. He might think he has faith. There's a thing that people think they got faith when they haven't got a faith. Isn't that right? When they're way down here saying they got faith and it, and it isn't up here. It's like tuning a string on an instrument and when it comes up and coincides with this up here, then the thing is ready. And any demon, listen to this, any demon that's got that person bound has to turn loose when that kind of faith comes. Amen. And he said, you don't have to be up here. It'll act out there wherever you are. Amen. 
Amen. And, and you know that is true. We had one great example. It wasn't a prayer line. It wasn't even hands laid on. But right there as the word went forth and the singing went forth, Sister Lana sitting back in the mezzanine. But in the atmosphere of faith, her faith got tuned to the level of the promise. And she acted upon that. And when acting upon that, God healed her. Amen. So it doesn't take even coming up for, for prayer. That's good and that's scriptural. But you can receive it right in your seat. Even the Holy Ghost can be that way. I can remember, you know, as I was preaching a word, the word many years ago, and a man there was a backslider and away from God and, and uh, done, done some horrible things. Really hard to believe when you're a backslider. Makes it really difficult. And so they come back, you know, trying to come back and trying to believe. And he'd picked up smoking and it was a bad habit. And so one pack after another that he, and he couldn't lay it down. And right there as I was preaching, he screamed out, I'm delivered, I'm delivered, I'm delivered. Never to pick that thing up again. You see, it's when our faith matches the level of God's promise and you just accept from him what he's done for you at Calvary. Now, so you see, in order to, in, now, in order to have the end time, you've got to have the spirit of the end time. And of course, we know the Sodom world is in the spirit of the end time, but so must the bride be in the spirit and the atmosphere of the end time. I'm not talking about their fear, their unbelief, their sodomy. I'm not talking about being in that spirit. I'm talking about the spirit of God that is promised for an end time people where he said in the last days, I will pour out all of my spirit Hallelujah, I'm going to empty the contents of it. Amen, upon the end time people. Hallelujah, because I've got an end time plan and there's going to be a people of perfect faith, a people whose faith exceeds the faith of any other age because it's a rapturing faith. We're saying, how in the world are we going to do this? Just like it happened to Sarah. Because it was grace that came by Sarah's way after all of those years of unbelief. Amen. To turn her heart back to faith to believe in again. So it's a rapture and grace for a rapture and faith. Amen. How's God going to do it? He's going to give you the grace for it. His grace provides the faith. For the going away. You are a people favored of the Lord. And this is what the angel was coming by to tell Sarah. You are favored. You are called. You are predestined. This is your moment. I am here for this reason. This is why I'm appearing. This is why seven angels were in a cloud. This is why the seven thunders roared their voices. This is why the book was unsealed. This is why the mysteries are revealed. It's because it's you that I'm getting your faith where it is ripe for a rapture. Now, so you got to be in in end time conditions under an end time atmosphere. That's why, brothers of the message, 
It's not going to take you. It's got, it's got to be more than a Baptist atmosphere, Presbyterian atmosphere, or, you know, a, an intellectual atmosphere. It's going to take a supernatural atmosphere for the bride of Jesus Christ. Now, in the message, Perseverance, Brother Branham said, I want to speak on a subject to kind of build up that faith. Well, you know, Brother Tim, we don't need faith anymore. Brother Tim, we're too mature. We're way too mature for faith. Well, to you that are falling behind, you know, Brother Branham preached perfect faith. And we don't just need faith. We need a perfect faith. And that perfect faith produces apostolic times. Now, Brother Branham left here declaring that we are still in an apostolic age. I don't normally take off my coat, but it's a little warm up here, so I might as well. Amen. Now, I want you just to think of this because we need a perfect faith that produces apostolic times. Because we are in the final, the finality of the pouring out of God's spirit. So this is the crescendo of the apostolic age. Now, so he said, uh, so he said here, I want to speak on the subject to kind of build up faith. Ministers knows that when you're speaking to the people, you have an atmosphere of preaching for salvation. Then you want to make a, a call, that call to that. And then if you want the atmosphere for healing, you get the anointing yourself by the word of God, delivered to the people, and that puts the whole group under uh, in the anointing for a certain thing. Otherwise, under expectations of certain things, and we see we're expecting something. So, you know, I believe then to bring that a little higher that God's got all his church now, the called out remnant of his church under expectations of his coming. So we're here under the expectations of his coming. This is the age of harvest time. This is the age of his coming. The harvest represents when the son of man comes and he harvests the grain and takes it into the garner. The difference between this age and the early apostolic age because we're not repeating Pentecost. We are the continuation of the book of Acts. Not a repetition, a repetition of the book of Acts. We are not repeating Pentecost. We are finishing Pentecost. This is a day where the the, the day of Pentecost fully comes. We have been in seven church ages, seven weeks, which are the weeks of Pentecost. But now we are in the final age and the final time where there's got to be a sheaf waved in the end time of a mature elect bride, a people who knows their word, the word of God, a people who does exploits. Now, so he said, I want to bring them under the expectations of his coming. This is where we're at. We're in a rapture age where everything should be under the expectation of maturity. 
mature faith, mature gifts, mature healing. How mature, Brother Tim, on that healing? Till our bodies are changed. Come on. Amen. We still got a ways to go in ripening. That's right. Now, Brother Brandon preached a sermon, Wisdom versus Faith. And somehow the devil has slipped in among us to lead some to believe that the Holy Ghost is just a learned behavior. To them, intellectual concepts are taught. and You mature by applying these concepts. The calling of the forth of the bride is not an intellectual revival. And that's seemingly what many have had for the past 50 years is trying to intellectually assimilate the message. And Brother Brandon said, I believe you are beginning to do that. Intellectually hear it. But your faith needs ripening. Amen. And I'll tell you, after 50 years of good intellectual teaching, it's time for a ripening of faith a faith that is not dead, but a faith that works. Now, so you see the calling for the bride is not an intellectual revival. It's supernatural and its power is not in giving a learned behavior. It is the power of a changed life. You see, I mean, the AA will teach an alcoholic Learn behavior. It's going to change your behavior patterns. And they use psychology to do that. You know, remember, it hurts you. It hurts your family. It hurts your friends. It's not helpful. Avoid it. So now take these steps to, to avoid it. And do this and do that. And they give them a learned behavior. But every time they smell alcohol, it's still there. Every time they see it, it's still there. But this gospel is not a learned behavior. It is the power of transformation. Its power lays in a changed life. That the sins that I used to do, I do them no more. I don't desire that anymore. I don't want that anymore. I can pass by every beer joint. I'm not tempted. I can see somebody using alcohol. I don't want it. Why? Because it is not just a learned behavior. It is a changed life. Brother Tim, why would you, why would you speak about these things? Because I've been in men's meetings where men get up and say, you know, well, I've overcome pornography because I remember how it hurt my wife and it's hurt my family and how that's, you know, wrong. And I remember, and I associate that with the pain that it caused of the confession and the hurt that it brings. And, and so I've learned to associate pain with that behavior so that I don't repeat it. Friends, that's not the gospel. It is not a learned behavior. It is the power of Christ under salvation. Amen. Your whole attitude, your whole disposition, your whole atmosphere is changed. It gives a power in a young man. I don't care if he's 16 in the heights of, of his passion. Are you with me right now? Amen. And he can, with the Holy Ghost, can lift his head and turn away from every prostitute, every evil dressed woman, 
He can bring his mind subject back to the word of God. It's a power that is in him. It's not a learned behavior. Now, I'm going to stop here for a moment because David had a learned behavior. I'm talking about King David. He learned the law, thou shalt not commit adultery. He took and he tied the word as frontlets before his eyes. He had it over, uh, emblems of it over the doorpost. He had every bit of that learning from a child. Thou shalt not commit adultery. And here's what happens to a man or woman who does. They stoned him in that day. Amen. He knew the penalty. He knew the hurt. He knew the shame. But he didn't have the power. When he looked over and saw Bathsheba, he didn't have the power to resist it. And he went all around his learned behavior, all around the recorded scriptures, all around his memory verses, and went and committed adultery anyhow. But if you ever get that heart changed, it does not desire evil. There is a power that lays within you that brings your body subject. Now that, thinks, that don't say that they don't have passion anymore. It's still there. Temptation is still there. But the power is not a learned behavior. And considering consequences... It is something that is a life change. You would no more do that than nothing. No more than a lamb would eat pig slop. Come on. No more than you would go and lap up dog's vomit. You're not a dog anymore. You've been changed. That's vomit to you. That's sin. That's wrong. That's evil. It's repulsive. And I tell you that, that's what we need is a new birth. That sin becomes where it makes you sick. Where you hate evil and you love righteousness. And you turn from the things of the world to the things of God. You see, when you were born, you were born with a, like a magnet setting in. Your heart has got poles. And it's got like a magnet, it pulls and it resists. So you, you know, you were born wrong with your heart twisted and turned toward evil. So automatically you started doing wrong because you were pulled toward it. The poles of your heart pulled you toward doing wrong. And you would say, you might hear mama say, don't do that. Or daddy say, that'll hurt you. But there was something that just kept pulling you that direction. You went that way in spite of all the training, all the moral teaching, all the Sunday school teaching, all the preaching you ever heard. You went on that way because you were pulled naturally that way because the magnet of your heart was, was the pole was set toward unbelief and unbelief is sin. So you were pulled toward sin. So naturally you gravitated toward the wrong kind of music, the wrong kind of friends, the wrong kind of thinking, the wrong, everything towards sin. You did it because that's the way your heart was set. Every one of us born that way. 
But the gospel comes and he turns it around. Now, remember, you pull towards sin and you resist God. So you resist the altar call, you resist what God said, you resist the righteous teaching of your mother and dad, you resist that and push against it, pull toward the world. Then the gospel comes and what does it do? It turns the heart. And when it turns the heart, it pulls you toward God, it pulls you toward righteousness. Your attraction is changed and you got a resistance to sin, to evil, to wrong. You've got a resistance to it because the poles of your heart has been changed. That's why Malachi 4 had to come is to turn the hearts from disbelieving to believing. So Sarah's heart had to be turned because she was being pulled toward right on into death without the child, without the promise, pulled that way. And, and actually she, she might, listen, by now she may have already heard that, that God had come down as El Shaddai and said, Sarah's gonna have a child and this is gonna be her new name. She still don't believe. She resists. But now he comes and stands right in front of her. Grace. Do you ever realize it? Isn't it wonderful? You didn't go looking for God. God went looking for you. Come on. Sarah wasn't looking for God. God came looking for Sarah. Where is Sarah? And God came looking for you. Where is this one? Where is that one? And he called your name. Hallelujah. And brought you to a face-to-face confrontation with him. Where you had to face the question. With all of these troubles, all of these scars, all of these hurts, all of these problems, all of these sins, is there anything too hard for God? See, I settled that a long time ago. We'll get sick. You'll have to settle it again. You'll face it right again. You'll have to come back right around that question. Where did he ask you? Is there anything too hard? Now, so the calling forth of the bride, though, isn't intellectually done. The end time message did not come by intellectual reasoning or study. It came as angels descended and revelations came from the pillar of fire. The message came from the realms of glory. It did not come from the mind of men. Amen. You know, God has every way he wants something preached, so I'm not worried about that, but I do want you to know, you know, after, after preaching those hours and then ministering personally for hours to others, I lost my voice, and so it's just barely coming back. But I'm here after hours of travel and jet lag and sleepless nights to minister to you today. So I want you just to tune in for a minute. Don't let it handicap you right now. Let the word of God sink in deep. Now, because uh, you see true maturity and ripeness, I want you to understand, is not a dry formal religion. That's a description of a dry, dead blade tossing and shuck. Life is in the grain. Amen. Whenever, when life is gone from the shuck, 
in the harvest time, when it's gone from the stalk, when it's gone from the root even, when it's all gone, it's left everything, life is in the grain. We must expect life in the grain. Amen. Now, baking the greenness and the immaturity out doesn't take away the power of God and signs and wonders. Baking the greenness out does not take away the life of the Holy Spirit or or the joy of the Holy Ghost. Any ministry, I'm going to say something, any ministry without divine healing, miracles, signs, and wonders is a green ministry. Unripe. I'm not saying you're not green now. I'm saying you're immature. Because a mature ministry will have the power of the resurrected Christ in it. I'm trying to get you to understand what maturity is in this type. Because true maturity will have the ministry of the resurrected Christ in it. Now, educating people into the Bible truths is not the gospel. The gospel is the power of God in the men's heart that gives an appetite and a hunger for truth. Brother Branham was explicit. The seed word cannot grow in the atmosphere of wisdom's knowledge. And as soon as wisdom mixes with faith, faith dies right there. And, and, and this is what so many have done today. They have taken what was to be faith and turned it to knowledge. And a knowledge-based message brings death, not life. Remember, Ishmael is born out of knowledge and reasoning. Isaac is born out of supernatural. God actually had to make the seed alive, make the womb alive, make Abraham as well as Sarah alive. Come on. There had to be the miraculous done and faith put in their hearts to believe. So Isaac is born of the supernatural. Now, again, as we look at it, Eve, for example, Let's go to her for a minute. We know that's where the original sin began. She had the promise of the word of God to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. That was the word. Now, the serpent came along with his wisdom saying, you know, God made you for this purpose. Oh, yeah, well, um, sure. You know, he said I would be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. But if we partake of that, we'll die. And using them reasoning, he said, but oh, do you think a loving father, a loving God would do a thing like that? And she listened to wisdom, to reason, and took his wisdom. For he said, it's a tree that's a delight, one to be desired for, and she fell for it. And now you see the seed that she was holding That was the seed of promise because she had a word that said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. She would have finally become mother by the will of God through a spoken word, but she couldn't wait. So she listened to Satan's reasoning and took an intellectual thought rather than waiting on the supernatural and God's timing for it to happen. Amen. Amen. But you know that word still came to pass? 
not an eve. It passed over thousands of years till it found another virgin. And this virgin Mary would say, be it unto me according to thy word. I don't know a man. Well, how's it going to be? It won't be through a man. It'll be the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. And the word that Eve turned down, Mary took. Hallelujah. And when she took that word, it produced Christ. And from that seed came ever born again child of God, a new generation, a new creation, a new species. Oh, I could preach right now. I'm talking about a new species that the devil didn't know what to do with. Hallelujah. He had seen a Moses. He had seen an Aaron. He had seen a David. He had seen a Noah. He had seen this and he seen that one. But he never seen any like these. On the day of Pentecost, there was 120 of them filled with the life of God, staggered out in the upper room, speaking in other tongues in a heavenly language. A people who could not be deceived. They were a new species. They wouldn't do what Eve did. Come on, somebody. I tell you, I'm preaching to a a brand new species. A people the devil don't know what to do with. Because there's a bride bringing forth in this day of the original seed. The spoken word is the original seed. And out of that original seed comes an original group of people that are like that 120 on the day of Pentecost. A people the devil don't know what to do with. He can't stop them. He can't make them quit. He can't make them turn back. Oh, what the devil saw the day of Pentecost was a bunch of men and women under the influence. Mm, Hallelujah, I can almost speak in tongues right now. Under the influence of a mighty angel. Here the Spirit of God came down and God birthed 120 just like him. He looked out of there and said, what have I done by crucifying this one? Here birthed out of him is 120 more just like him and 3,000 more were added to the kingdom. Hallelujah. What did he say about this age? And I saw another mighty angel. And there are people today that have been birthed under the influence of that mighty angel. There are people the devil don't know what to do with. He's offered them the world. He's offered them Sodom. He's offered them every kind of sin. He's offered every kind of habit, every kind of the world. But he don't know what to do with these. I don't know what to do with them. They're drunk on something. 
They're drunk on something. Amen. They're out of their mind. I can't make them disbelieve. I can't get them to turn around. I can't get them to doubt. I can't get them to disbelieve anymore. What the devil saw on the day of Pentecost was men and women filled with deity, filled with the power of God. What the devil is seeing in the Laodicean age, right here at evening like Tabernacle, is men and women filled with the same deity. The unstoppable bride of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. How many feels that way this morning? I will not quit. I will not turn around. I am not a compromiser. Amen. I can't be stopped. I will overcome. For he said, I'll overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. You know why? Because the word has come right down here and found another virgin who will conceive just like Mary did of the supernatural instead of trying to pass the message on intellectually. So God had given a word, he couldn't take it back. Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth. Mary, I mean, Eve didn't do that. She brought forth, but she brought forth of the serpent's words. And through his knowledge, he brought forth us into death. Because of that, we were all born wrong. That's why it requires a new birth. So you have to be born the second time over again because you were born wrong the first time. But the second birth has got to be the birth of a virgin. Not mixed with creeds of man and a man's ideas. Not received intellectually, but a supernatural overshadowing of the Holy Ghost. Now, Brother Branham told us Holy Ghost seeds of the Bible cannot 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 grow in the atmosphere of wisdom that kills every seminary in the country. Now, I'm sorry. I, I understand you, you, some of you feel like I'm fighting when I say this, but we got too many seminary preachers in this message. We got too many seminary churches that have tried just to teach the concepts of truth and pass it on intellectually. Now, he said that kills every seminary in the country because the Bible cannot grow in the atmosphere of wisdom. That kills every seminary in the country. That knocks the holes right out through them, punctures them, and the judgment flows in. That's right, certainly does, because the word cannot grow with wisdom, worldly wisdom. 
Both wisdom and faith will produce an atmosphere. Now, this is why Brother Branham said, I'm going to ask you something. This is wisdom versus faith. Do you ever go into church and say this reverently now? Just to make a point, God forbid. Did you ever go into church where the pastor is real starchy? The congregation is the same way. That's right. right. What is it? It's that atmosphere that brought it. Go into a place where the pastor says, now wait a minute. There's no such a thing as that nonsense. I don't believe in such thing as divine healing about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You'll see every one of them congregation. Now, listen, granted, you, you ain't going to get a message preacher nowhere to say there's no, no such thing as divine healing or about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But what they do is they say, but this is not the season for it, you see. It was uh, that time where God was doing something back there, but he's not doing that now. Well, we better get something going because we got to have such total massive divine healing that gray hair come back the right color again, wrinkles fall off, and a healing comes, massive divine healing from the top of the head to the soles of the feet. So divine healing, faith for divine healing is only miniature rapture in faith. Did you get that? Yes. Amen. It's only miniature rapture and faith yes. because that faith is enlarged, yes. not just to heal a heart and replace it or, you know, give you 10 more years of life right. or six more like he did Sister Karen. Yes. Amen. But a massive total divine healing where every part of your body is turned back to 18 again. Yes. We do believe that, don't we? So divine healing is only miniature rapture and faith. If you don't even have the miniature faith, how are you ever going to enlarge that to become rapture and faith? That's why Brother Branham said, if I can't get you to believe for even divine healing, how am I going to get you to believe for rapture and faith? But healing's not going to be there where it's not preached. Come on. Amen. So he said, so he said, uh, do you ever go into church where the pastor real starchy? Congregations the same way. That's right. What is it? It's that atmosphere that brought it. Go into a place where the pastor said, now, wait a minute. There's no such thing as that nonsense. I don't believe in such thing as divine healing about that baptism of the Holy Ghost. You see, every one of them, the congregation, and listen, he said, if there's an eagle in there somewhere, he'll get out amongst that bunch of chickens. Uh Uh-huh, sure will, exactly the truth. He'll leave it, yeah, he sure will. He can't stand that. He's an eagle. He's sky-built, not a barnyard. Now, as the eagle stirs his nest, he said, he said um, in his his prayer, he said, Lord, be merciful to me. And he said, he's, he's inviting his congregation to pray this like this. Give me eagle thoughts. Give me eagle desires. Give me eagle life. 
Let me fly in your blue yonder, Lord, where all things are possible to them that believe. Make a faith in me. Let my wings grow. Let my faith muscles around my wings grow till I can really see Jesus. Amen. Amen. Eagle life, eagle desires, eagle thoughts, soaring above the unbelief of the age. Listen, in the ground, the grounded prison of Sarah's tent, she needed eagle faith to get out of there. Now, God's looking for men, he said, who can climb up in the heights like an eagle, take his flight, go beyond plummeting the heavenlies yonder where all these things are possible above this earthbound clucking down here, hitting on four cylinders and the water jacket bursted on the inside, don't even know how to be baptized yet, oh my, and all that fussing going on, we fly away from it, why yes, I think this, friends, if the whole nation stood in awe, watched through the television when the countdown come for that astronaut John Glenn to leave up toward his first flight, towards the moon to get up above it. The whole earth stood amazed as they seen that astronaut take off. What will the whole universe stand still when that great eagle of the church of God, when she spreads her great wings one of these mornings, propelled by the Holy Ghost and fire, when she takes her shiver off the earth and goes in the heavenly. The whole universe will know it. Angels will welcome him with a triumph, amen. We're living in the astronaut age, going in the heavenlies. People can't understand it. When you talk about a shock coming, just wait until the church starts moving up. When that great eagle called the church of God, redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, spreads forth her wings and the power of the Holy Ghost begins to lift her up off the earth. It's gonna be a wonderful time. Remember, an automobile can't follow it, neither can an airplane. It's astronaut. Let's be an astronaut. Let's believe God. Hallelujah. There was a little mother and daddy brought about a, oh, I don't know, precious little three, four, five-year-old child up. I couldn't speak their language, but it was translated to me that the baby girl had had a genetic disease. With this genetic disease, she seemed to be a little mentally retarded and, and, and stunted in her growth. So I'm not real sure how old she was, but it was a desperate situation. And there, as they told me that, I just smiled and, 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 and spoke some words to her. I said, now I'm going to pray for this child. I want you to confess every day that it's healed. I want you to tell this child every day that Jesus has healed it and she's going to be well and that she will, will do beyond what the doctors have said. And I prayed for that child and the mother wrote back to Brother David and said, I, all through the night, all I could do is see Brother Tim's face. It would keep appearing to me as a smile on his face as he looked down upon my child and said, it's given me such a hope. And I told Brother David, I said, well, you know, in 1970, I met a woman 
and 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 she she was she was there in our home just before Karen and I got married, and and um, she she was a pastor's wife, and and she told me something, and then she met me again in Florida a few years ago, and she told me told me about um, her condition and what had happened to her and reminded me it all came flooding back to, to me. Her name was Sister Anderson. And they pastored for a little while before Daniel did in Coal Lake, Mississippi. And that church troubled him so bad until he would twist his hair, you know, and until he, his hair had bald spots all over because of the pressure of that ungodly, unbelieving butts did. But nevertheless, he'd come over to visit us and she told us about it. And she told me again in Florida, her husband's going to be with the Lord. She said, Brother Tim, I was five years old. I was, the doctors and the checkup said, your child is mentally retarded. And it will never progress. It'll never have more than a three-year-old. You might as well realize that we as scientists or in our scientific community, doctors, we have no cure for this. There's no hope for it. So the only hope you got, lady, is to find somebody who believes in prayer, this doctor said, that believes in prayer, that'll lay hands on this child and pray the prayer of faith over it. And the mother said, her mother said, well, we're Pentecostals. He said, that's good. Take her to a meeting and get her prayed for. That's your only hope. So she said, about that time down in De Quincey, Louisiana, Brother Gary, you know where that is. It was about 1945 or six. It must have been 46 after the angel came because Brother Branham came to Louisiana and was down in De Quincey. He talks about this later having been down there at Quincy, Louisiana. And so, you know, he said, they heard Brother Branham was going there and he'd met with an angel and the presence of God was there real and, and the atmosphere was right for the sick to be healed. So they took me to that meeting and said, Brother Branham prayed for me. And in that meeting said, I was healed. And here she was now 80 years old, come across from the Carolinas to Florida to come and see me because she'd know me when I was a boy preacher and hear me preach again and talk to me again and remind me of this. Amen. That our God, there is no limits. Hallelujah. Your child may be deformed. Your baby may be where it's totally impossible for doctors but I tell you what don't give up hope hallelujah bring her to a place where there's faith where there's an atmosphere an atmosphere that is produced where miracles happen no wonder she could see my face all night because I know the power of my Christ I know what he can do I know the power of the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. That not only can take a child with a genetic problem that is so mentally retarded or whatever the case is, 
that he can not only heal that, but he can take somebody that is so down in the depths of sin that it seems like it's impossible that they could ever be saved. Unbelief all over them and they're crippled up as that little child is and God by his transforming power can change them in a moment. Hallelujah. In a moment. I'll tell you what, we need to be astronaut in our faith. Legals in our faith. Well, we, we can look down on any disease that is summed underneath us. We can look down on every sin, say it's underneath us. Think about an eagle. He can swoop right down and snatch you up where he is. Like Brother Joe preaching about harpazo, where the Greek word says seize or snatch up. And God will snatch you up right out of a situation. I believe we're under an eagle anointing. Amen. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe in the miracle working God. And I told that little mother, let me tell you, when Atlanta Bucks was healed, one day she has black lungs. But guess what? It took a recreation. Can you imagine a recreation of cells? Spoken word is hallelujah. Creative words going forth and change that lung till in the next morning. A black lung is cancer free with only well cells. That is the miraculous power of God. Created word. And if he can create new cells there, he can create new cells for you today, Danette. That's the way our God is. Hallelujah. If you need a child and everything's out of whack in your body, he can recreate new cells. Hallelujah. Whatever it is, this God, there is nothing too hard for him. Wisdom versus faith. We find out those atmospheres and you get in where faith is taught in a church, you'll find a church in that atmosphere. Let me say it again. Quoting Brother Brown, wisdom versus faith. And when you you get in where faith is taught in a church, you'll find a church in that atmosphere. He said, oh God, let me get this to you. So if you can see it, that's the reason people come among the saints where they're praying, believers. Paul said he didn't find any of the city, only Timothy, that was like precious faith that he had, you know. The rest of them were all denominationalism. But when he got in that atmosphere, see, he, you, find, you find things going on that the atmosphere has created. You find people living by faith when you get to a place and to a place where it says, well, my, the Bible's true. God heals. You walk around their congregation and say, well, I, I was dying with cancer. I was healed. 
I was once blind, David Dexter. I see. Amen. The stranger said, do you, why, you mean, what's the matter with you? I'll show you my record. Come home with me. Come eat dinner with me. I'll show you something. I got a record up there. My neighbors know I was in this kind of condition. I was paralyzed for years. I was prayed for. What, what, what is it? The word in that church, that group of believers, has created that atmosphere. Hallelujah. Amen. The word in that church and that group of believers has changed that atmosphere. Well, Brother Jim, we preach the word like that, that atmosphere ain't there. Well, you ain't preaching all the word. Because if you preach the full gospel, healing's in it. The Holy Ghost is in it. Well, we have the word here, Brother Tim, and ain't, ain't nobody weeps their way at Calvary at an altar. You're not preaching the whole word. You got part of the word. Or maybe it's just intellectual. It's not mixed with faith. But when you mix it with faith, something happens. Amen. That's why you come in services like this. And even, the, did you know, did, I, I'm going to tell you something. And Brother Branham, even, Brother Branham even made this clear. He talked about Tommy Osborne just taking the word itself by preaching the word, so miracles and signs and wonders without a gift. Just with the word preached. So it don't take a special gift. It takes the word preached to tune the faith to believe. Now, he got that part on divine healing, but he couldn't get all of it. He's Trinitarian and, and so on like that. But you see, we're not a people like that. We're people who believe the whole word. Hallelujah. So we ought to see the whole results. Listen, I, I, I'm not trying to get some divine healing campaigns going and this and that. I'm just trying to have what's in, the, in our inheritance. That's all I'm doing. Amen. I, I'm not just trying to have a, you know, a, a, a church and every church is a, a prayer line and every, every service is a, an altar call. And, you know, hey, when, 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 when it happens, it, it needs to be done. But nevertheless, I'm not, that's not what we're striving for. We're striving to preach the entire gospel. The entire gospel. <laughs> Like somebody sent me a quote, another minister sent a quote out, we need to be well studied. Well, we do. And we've been well studied. I have been well studied. I know what the word says. Amen. I don't want to go to boasting like the apostle Paul did, but I could. Amen. I could. But nevertheless, that's not what our, our goal is, is to try to boast in our own self. I'm just saying, though, listen, friends, we should be well studied, but that, that, that receiving the word must be more than intellectual. It's got to be supernatural gospel. The things you think on, the things you do, the actions, the things you talk about creates an atmosphere. In wisdom versus faith, Brother Branham said, 
how is, now, how is the word in its simplicity, yet in its completeness, ever grow in a place where knowledge overshadows that and says it can't be so? See, it can't. Where knowledge is preached from a seminary, the children die. And when faith is preached from the word, the children live. Amen. That's the difference. Just life and death. That's the same thing that happened in the Garden of Eden. That's exactly what happened to them. Two atmospheres there. When Eve got off the right one on the wrong one, she died. It'll do it every time. Oh, they say, if your church has got that kind of atmosphere, oh, child, if you want to live, you better believe in the word. So, they, so he said they cannot stay in that wrong atmosphere. Now, there are, and again, you know, we, the thought comes along that preachers who don't want the atmosphere where the baptism of the Holy Ghost comes, they claim they have that, but they want more than that. They're seeking the character of the king, whatever that means. Well, if you had the Holy Ghost, then you would have the character of the king. Mm-hmm. And without it, you still have your old character of your old carnal nature. They said, no, you, you've got to educate the people into having the character of the king. You see, you need counseling before marriage to give the young people character. I don't know that all your teaching is going to give anybody character. Counseling and instructions has its place, but educating them into it is not what they need. If you want the character of the king, then you receive his life, and that will give you his character. Amen. Now, so, so again, that's how you get the character of the king. You receive his life. If you have his life, well, then it's going to produce the character of Christ. It can't help but produce it. Listen, a dog does not grow to be a human. It grows up to be a dog. Because it's born with the characteristics of a dog and the nature of a dog, it grows up to be a dog. If you're human... You don't grow up to be a pig. You might pig out at supper, but you're not a pig. Because you have the character of a human that you were born with that characteristic. And when you're born of Christ, these signs shall follow them that believe. They cast out devils. Well, Brother Tim, I never got down there and laid hands on somebody and cast the devil out. Well, what about that devil that come in your thinking that you cast out? Hey, man, what about that tormenting spirit that attacked your body and you said, I don't have to have this. I'm a blood-washed child of the living God. I speak against this in the name of Jesus Christ and I'm leaving that behind me. Come on, somebody. Amen. There's more casting out devils than down here at the altar in the prayer line. You know, how do I overcome depression, Brother Tim? Cast him out. 
People want some kind of magic formula. Well, you do this, kind of like the man told brother, the school teacher told brother Branham, okay, you got a violent temper, but before that, you know, you explode and get mad, I want you to tie a hundred knots. He didn't get very far and threw it away and went fighting. That was his nature till it changed. Amen. All the hundred knots in the world didn't keep him Amen. It was when the devil was cast out, when he was saved, that changed his nature. Now, rather than hating the man and wanting to kill and murder the guy that killed his dog, he led him to Christ. You see, it changes you. It's the power of God and the salvation. I know this is too simple, but listen, it's more than just too simple. It's actually magnificent. Think about it. It might have been simple thinking to Sarah, oh, that's too hard to believe. That's stupid, you know, to believe an old woman like me. But when her nature was changed, when she was changed in the presence of that angel, amen, then her heart was turned. And the Bible said that she received strength to be to conceive because she judged him faithful who made the promise. Come on now. It ain't you going to be able to defeat this devil. It ain't you going to be able to defeat this habit. But you judge that she is faithful. Hallelujah to deliver me. Amen. I will overcome this because I got the overcomer on the inside of me. The seed word of the Bible can't grow in such a word as that. How can a person go into one of those modern churches now and the spirit of God come upon it and they want to holler, glory to God, hallelujah. And you know what? Well, you make the preacher swallow his sermon. Well, I'm telling you, I can just say, seem like, hmm. Oh, Brother Tim, that's only denominations. Oh, no. There have been, there have been godly men and women hauled out of message churches for breaking church order for saying amen. You know, I made the preacher swallow his sermon. Brother, they said, I, you know, guy asked Brother Branham, how can you preach if they do that? He said, I, I couldn't preach unless they did. Amen, because they were producing an atmosphere. They were encouraged in the Holy Spirit and pulling on the gift of God. He said it was like, the, like his old hound dog. He said he hated a skunk. But he said, you know, so what he did, he said got a, a skunk, said he, he wouldn't go get him. But he said if I'd hit him on the side and say, sick him, boy, sick him, boy, he said, I could encourage him to go into that old brush pile and drag that old skunk out. And he said, the biggest skunk I know is the devil. And if I can get the people to pat me on the side and say, I'm sick of boy, we'll go after that devil and bring that old stinker out of the brush pot and kill him. It's the atmosphere. And he said, and all them cranes there stretched that neck around. 
you know, well, who said that? What was that? In a few minutes, preachers say, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And they say, glory to God, that's right. Mm, Deacons, see you right at the door, right? In a few minutes, they'll throw you right out. The word can't grow there. I'm quoting. Just can't do it. Just can't do it. See, it just simply can't. And when he comes spraying this poison on top of it, trying to kill the germ life in you. Now, there's a group of people in the land today that believes that God heals. Well, of course, we know reasonable sense shows that God gave us doctors to heal. Now, and he said, you ask a good sensible doctor, if he's a healer, he'll tell you, no, I can move a tooth, but I can't heal the socket it came out of. That's right. I can set an arm, but I can't heal it. That's certainly right. God is the healer. Now, how's it ever going to grow? Something ever going to grow in such a stuff as that? How can the seed word ever grow in such as that? It just won't do it. It just can't grow in that kind of atmosphere. But faith grows, only grows in one vitamin. It only has or needs one vitamin. Don't have to have any mixture at all. Faith grows in one vitamin. That's the word. And that's the only thing that faith can grow in is the word. And the way that then it grows is to believe the word, has to take all the word, believe it's true. And faith vitamin is spelled four little, one, a little four-letter word, L-I-F-E, life, and it has vitamin L. Faith has vitamin L. So he goes on and says, he says then, he said, now everything that has been created was created by faith. Hebrews 11, by faith the world was created. The world was made by faith. God's made the world out of things that does not appear. By faith, God spoke the world into existence because it was a premeditated word. And as soon as he said it, it became life. Now you say, I believe that, Brother Branham. In your heart, you can believe it. Then express it, I believe it. Don't never change it at all. Stay right with it. Watch what it will grow out of it. It will produce the word because it's faith. Wisdom takes you away. Faith brings you to it. But you see, what the world wants to do is to the systems of the world wants to take the word of God and make it traditional. Now, Brother Branham told us exactly what happens to prophets when they leave. He said, what they do, he said, God will anoint and use a man. And he said, then they will make a tradition out of his life. And let me just tell you, because they do that, they become living in the glare of the past. And their God is past, not present. So it will be when something happens out here, but it's not now. And it all becomes pretentious and pretending rather than reality. Now, let me just say, Brother Brandon said, you can't put genuine corn in something unless it's earth and it won't grow. You can lay it in the sun. You can keep it warm. You can do what you want. It has to be, it takes a certain kind of earth. It must be there. It must be under the right atmosphere to make it bring forth. And he says, so does the word of God. You can't take a church and bring it to life on some tradition. You might bring members by the millions. 
But you'll never bring the power of God until we get back to the original word again, back to the foundational word, back to the blood, back to Jesus Christ, back to old-fashioned prayer meetings, and back to God. And that's what we've been seeing is old-fashioned prayer meetings where people meet God. And because of him, the atmosphere changes. When a baby is born, there's a little spirit with a living atmosphere that it comes to give life to that baby. When he comes into a life, then he becomes a, a living, breathing entity. Now, Brother Branham was talking about this thing, same thing, and he, he talked about wanting to get his daughter, Rebecca, in meetings where the Holy Ghost was falling. He said, because it's the atmosphere that will make it happen. Amen. And he said, now before there's a birth, there's got to be a death first. You got to die to your sins, die to your will, die to your unbelief. You know, there's got to be a dying out. That's one reason for an altar. You come to that altar to die. Jonathan Middleton sitting right here came to me as a young boy. Oh, I don't know how many times. I want to be delivered to these cigarettes. I want to be delivered to these cigarettes. We'd pray for him. He'd come back from prayer. I want to be delivered to the cigarettes. One day he finally came to me and he was honest. He said, you know why I smoked these cigarettes? I said, no, why? Because I love them. I love these cigarettes. I love how it makes me feel after a meal. I love, I just love these cigarettes. I said, well, Jonathan, you'll never be delivered to them cigarettes till you hate them. I said, look at what it's doing to you. It's destroying your life, destroying your lungs. It's keeping you in unbelief. The boy can sing. He wanted to sing. I said, no, you can't sing in my church. Why can't I sing? Well, I said, okay, let me smoke a cigarette and you listen to me preach. Well, no, I wouldn't want to hear you preach after smoking a cigarette. I don't want to hear you sing. What I want you to do is repent. But it got to place that Jonathan come to the point he hated those cigarettes. And when he hated those cigarettes and repented of them, that God came and delivered him. How many pack a day cigarettes was that, Jonathan? About three packs of cigarettes a day. You see, it was an addiction. You know what was an addiction? It was a devil sitting right down here drawing through that amount of satisfaction. Amen. And so you see, when that devil was gone, no, no more the cigarettes never bothered him again. Hallelujah. Amen. So you see, there had to be a dying out before the birth could come. And a birth is a mess. We don't care where it's at. If it's a pink pen or a pink decorated hospital room, it's going to be a mess. It'll make you do things you ordinarily wouldn't think you would do. Amen. But when you're ready to die to yourself and you're born again, become a new creature in Christ Jesus and open up and life comes, becomes a new sight to you because you've accepted the person of Jesus Christ, not some doctrine or creed of I believe this or I believe the message, I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. It's more than that. 
but the person of Christ comes into you and you're born again. I'd like to preach a whole sermon on this next phrase, but not today. Even to the written word, it's got to be quickened by the Holy Spirit. You can memorize your Bible, you can read it every day, but it takes a quickening of that word to your heart. Amen. Said I can have a handful of wheat, but until it gets in a process to where it can be quickened, the wheat will never live. Said you can have a doctor's degree, a PH, LL, whatever you wish to, and people's got them in the message. They've studied, they have been there, they're well studied. But until the Holy Spirit comes upon that and quickens you, as a personal experience with God, then the wheat does no good. Your learning is in vain. Amen. And then he said, as the Englishman said the other night, I was so astonished at that. All the learning he had is Paul. He had to forget all he knew in order to find Christ do things that he thought he wouldn't do. And that's the way God does. He humiliates us in our educational system. Not as I'm trying to support ignorance, but I'm trying to tell you the difference. Education can never bring life. Understand this. The word can be taught and they can receive an education, but it will not bring life. It takes the spirit of God to bring life and that life must not come out of just an intellectual revival. It's got to come out of the Bible word revival. And that word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when it falls today and quickens, you get the same results as in Acts 2. Exactly. It always has and always will be because the spirit of God, it's the spirit of God that conditions the atmosphere. So let's reemphasize that. A word revival. Somebody say word revival. It brings the same results of Acts 2. Oh, Brother Tim, we are in a revival now, but it's not a Holy Ghost revival, it's a word revival. Well, a word revival, will you get the same results as in Acts 2. So if the word is really preached, it's gonna bring forth Acts 2 again. When the word is preached in its fullness, there will be healing, miracles, the Holy Ghost, true salvation, the power of Christ. It will be there. So remember, that's the only kind that the word can bring forth is Acts 2.38 blabbering, tongue-speaking baby. Come on, somebody. You, are, you say, but Brother Tim, you see, but we're wanting a mature church and you just call them babies. Listen, It took a woman, a mature woman with ripened faith to bring forth that kind of baby. Sarah could not do it before. It took a ripened faith, a mature faith to bring forth that kind of child. And if we got that kind of a church, then you're going to have that kind of baby Isaacs. Hallelujah.
hallelujah, those supernatural born again, blood washed, young men, young women, filled with the Holy Ghost, with the power of God that can believe for anything, that all things are possible to them that believe. An intellectual revival brings a dead child that is just born out of dead teaching and mere theology. A word revival changes the life through the indwelling of Christ in the soul. An intellectual revival tries to bring reformation. So you see, through educating the mind toward righteousness, you know, educating the mind toward righteousness, you know, then, but that's not what a word revival is. A word revival is a transformation. Brother Branham preached this, the power to transform, not the power to reform. And this is where that we, we got too much, we got too much denominational teaching from the glare of a past age, bringing an, the making the message intellectual rather than the power of God to salvation that brings a supernatural birth. Now, Sarah heard the word. She had heard Abraham say, right, now, it had been 25 years from the first time. Sarah heard the word and she had received the message intellectually. Can you bear with me a few more minutes? You're not as hard as I am. But she had heard the word. She'd received the message intellectually. But what did she do with it? She reasoned it. I'm not able to do this. So she gives the seed over to a bondswoman. And this is what has happened to the message. The church has received the message intellectually. And she acknowledges that the bride is chosen before the foundation of the world. She accepts the fact that there is to be the seed of Abraham in the last day. But through her intellectual reasoning, she gave the seed word over to the wombs of a bondswoman, and it has given birth to Ishmaelites. A child of the supernatural and Isaac will be gentle, meek, obedient, all the way to the altar sacrifice. I heard some Pentecostal preacher here in town talk about Isaac, 16 years old or so, and he told him, you know, you're gonna be the sacrifice, and he said he had to chase him down before he got him. He had to wrestle him down and tie him up and drag him to the altar screaming. You can just imagine, they thought this was a great revelation. This is what Isaac, you know, that's the way he pictured Isaac. That was not Isaac. You see, Isaac went, and when it come down to the point where he said God will provide for himself a sacrifice, he'll provide a lamb. Somebody help me preach. You know, Isaac went right on. Listen, Isaac was gentle. He had the cross, the pack of wood on his shoulder. He knew what it was to go to church. Amen. He knew what it was to participate in church. 
Amen. You know, you, listen, we trained our babies from the time they were like this. Sit up, pay attention, listen. Yeah, sometimes they got tired and went to sleep. But we didn't let them dawdle all over and play games in church and play on papers and draw faces and do all that. Come on. You teach them to worship. I don't know, I don't know sometimes what's wrong with you parents that you don't even know how to teach your children to worship. When we're singing, sing. When they stand, don't lay on the bench, get up. If you're clapping hands, get your hands and clap them. Sing. Worship. Participate. We're here to worship. From the youngest to the oldest. I've seen preachers, kids that are 14 years old, lay down on the pew and go to sleep during church. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen a lot in my 50-something years of preaching. Got a lot more years than that. But you know, there again, Isaac was no wild man. He was submissive to what the word said. Whatever the word says, do, I'll do it. If I gotta die to be resurrected, I'll die. We talk a lot of times about Abraham's faith. Isaac had to have a lot of faith. He had to believe that whatever was going to happen, he was going to rise up again. Is that right? But you see, there's too many. Now listen, that's why there's too many of the offsprings of today's message churches won't be subject to the word because they received the word through the womb of a bondswoman so the offspring looks half Egyptian. They go to a message church, but Egyptians' paint is on their face. Oh, you forgot your rotten tomatoes today. Good thing there's some more. There is Egyptian clothes that are designed by Egyptians and they're way too tight. They got trimmed hair like the Egyptians do. And there's even cross-dressing among men and women. Sissified. And it produces Ishmaelites. People that you have to beg to come to church. You have to drag them. You don't always have to counsel them in their marriage because selfishness and pride is still there. Unforgiven spirits, hate and grudges are still there. They got Egyptian natures. Come on. You see why? Because you're born of an intellectual womb by intellectual reasoning instead of being a child of the supernatural which makes a bunch of half-Egyptian half-breeds. Look at their diet. You know, God bless your sister Rachel. She came from Tucson. They love Mexican food. She fixed lots of Mexican food, good food. Nothing wrong with that. Because she's a Westerner. She comes over here. 
She might feed you, oh, I'm just making up stuff here. She might feed you a taco for breakfast, but it won't be a handmade roll biscuit like here in the South. And you know what? She, Jessica was raised in mama's cooking. She can cook good Mexican. Right? And Joe has had to eat a lot of tacos for breakfast. There ain't been no tomato gravy and homemade biscuits. Because he married a Westerner. And more than likely, the kids will be producing tacos and enchiladas and guacamole and all of that. It'll pass right on down because Jerry married from Indiana, married a Westerner. Now let me bring this around. None of that was spiritual. I'm just using it for example now. You got your attention. Where are you going to go with this? How are you going to fix this? Look at their diet. They love Egyptian food of television. Movies. Up all night gaming. Unbridled lust. Pornography. Because they're born of an Egyptian womb. Though they call herself Abraham's seed message. I'm born again. I'm the seed of Abraham. I cut my teeth on the message pew. I believe the message. I've accepted. But yeah, that's true. But you were born of an Egyptian womb because you were born just like the denominational birth children by education and an intellectual revival. Well, Brother Tim, you just called a bunch of Ishmaelites. You know the good thing about it? The difference is between you and Ishmael or you and Judas or you and Cain is you can be born again. And you can be born of the womb of the supernatural. Hallelujah, by the creation of God, by the power of the Holy Ghost and birth you a gentle Isaac. Hallelujah. Amen. And when the message is preached intellectually, there are no miracles. There are no gifts of the Spirit. And the supernatural is absent. And Sarah's atmosphere had to be changed back to Acts 2 again in order to bring forth children of the Word. And the only kind the Word can bring forth are Acts 2, tongue-speaking, blabbering, screaming, shouting, youngins. Let me read it again. And I'm in overtime. I'm closing down. Soon. <laughs> and I'll let you know how soon it is. <laughs> Education can never bring life. It takes the Spirit of God to bring life. And life cannot come out of just the intellectual revival. It's got to come out of the Bible, word revival, and the word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when it falls today and quickens, you get the same results. That you did in Acts 2. So now you can tell if the word is being preached by the results. If the word is preached, the results will be Acts 2 again. 
Amen. What will happen then with Acts 2 church? Come on now. You know what? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give out of thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. The book of Acts people had something to give. Not like a lot of bankrupt churches today. It takes atmosphere. So that's why your men are taught to bring your children here. He said, I want my daughter, Rebecca, to come in and sit down. He said, you saw me weak in a woman. It was my daughter. She come in and sat down. I want her to receive the baptism of the spirit. And that's why she's here in the meeting. That's the purpose of it. It takes atmosphere. Dr. Bosworth said you can take a hen egg and put it under a pup, it will hatch a chicken because it's an egg and it's got the right atmosphere. I don't care if you're Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, in the right atmosphere, it'll hatch out a brand new child of God. Claim the word. It's the atmosphere that does it no matter what the denominational tag you got. <coughs> As he said, when a church or any group of people assemble together and pray, till they throw away their creeds and things and look straight in the face of God and bring forth the eagles as soon as I'm standing here. He goes on to say, let us break up the atmosphere. Let's get in the atmosphere in a heavenly worship. Get the atmosphere as eagles was born. He said, uh, you know, John said that if God said, he said we were attributes to begin with, God said in this day back in the beginning, John Doe will be my servant millions of years ago. Now John Doe is born in sin, shape and liquidity, come to the world, speaking lies because he's immortal. Maybe he gets a little religious feelings, he'll go to a church. Maybe he'll join a Pentecostal church, don't know. He might join anything, but let him get under the atmosphere of God once. And John Doe is bound to recognize who his father is. Just as that eagle recognized who his mother was, it's got to realize, oh, that John Doe is God's attribute that's become a word spoken, and the Holy Spirit seeks that word out. Hallelujah. That's why we got to be in the right atmosphere. Our faith has got to be ripened from intellectual receiving the message. Our faith is ripened to believe all the word of God. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning? Thank you for bearing with me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you. Love you. Flow through me, Holy Spirit. Flow through me. In this kind of atmosphere, anything can happen. Because it's more than an intellectual gospel. It's the power of Christ and the salvation. I want you just to worship the Lord a minute with me. Just say, flow through me, Holy Spirit. Flow through me. Let my faith be ripened. Let my faith be ripened. Flow through me. 
flow through me, Holy Spirit. said, I had a wonderful dream about you last night, Brother Tim. He said, I went into your home and every room of your house was dazzling white. I said, oh, Brother Ron, that's the way I want it. That's the way I want to be before God. Every room of my house, dazzling white. Washed pure by the blood of the Lamb. Cleansed, clean, no darkness, no shadows, no evil abiding. Always forgiving and loving. Reaching out to God with all my heart. Don't you want that today in your life? You say, Lord, let my life be like that. Every room of my house, dazzling white where you find no impurity in me. Where, where that when Satan comes, he finds nothing in me. No unbelief, no doubt, no darkness at all. Amen. Flow through me, Jesus. Flow through me. Flow through me.
praise the Lord. Sister Danette is here today, and Brother Dan. I haven't had a chance. I prayed for her, laid hands on her, but I want her to come in the presence of the saints today. I'm going to lay hands on her. We're going to rebuke that cancer and the cause of it. In the name of Jesus. As she makes her way down here, I want every one of her immediate family to come right here too. I'm going to pray for this family. Yeah, that's right. All the the in-laws and sons, daughter-in-laws, and them all to come. Now, that's right, Judah, you got the idea. Come on, you, Malachi, and bring all the grandchildren around. Tim Butts, I want you to come down. And Nancy. out of the mezzanine wherever you are and I want you to move down in the aisles and wherever you are and I want to circle this family right now. Now I'm going to speak to you just a moment and I'm not speaking as an uncle, a brother, a brother-in-law. I'm speaking as a servant of Christ. Not only is there cancer wanting to destroy your body, There's a cancer wanting to destroy this family. Today we're going to unite together as believers and we're going to command the cancer of the body and the family to go. And a unity and a love to begin and a healing and a restoration. Right now, if you got ought and bitterness and hurts and things of the past, I want you to drop it right now. It ain't worth us losing this battle. You confess your sins before the Lord. You lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. This is the promise of God. I want you as a family to join hands together, as many of you can, just to join hands together. I want you to unite as a family right now. I'm gonna lay hands on you, Sister Danette. The enemy would have you and destroy your body and destroy your family. But today, we're speaking life in Jesus' name. I come against the cancer in this body and in this family. And I rebuke the spirit of the enemy that would want to cause division and cancers in the cell of the body. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ. I place the angel of God between her and the cancer now. 
and the angel of God and the Holy Spirit between the members of each one of the families and the cancer that would want to destroy this family. Satan, you have been exposed and I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ and as an adopted son robed in the power of the Holy Ghost, I, by the authority of the Word of God, cast you out now in Jesus' name for God's glory. In Jesus' name. Now let the miracle begin in this life, this body, and this family. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I want you, everyone, if you raise your hands right now, and I want you to glorify God. That's right. Just go. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Why is that, it, Sister Danette? How about a renewing of the Holy Ghost this morning? Wouldn't you want that? Come on, Brother Joe. Let's pray for this. Brother Timothy, come on. Let's pray. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. A renewing of the Holy Ghost for our sister. Lord, the refreshing of the Holy Ghost to come. The power of our Christ to lift her up with eagle's wings. To cause her to believe the word of God. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let her know that the healing has begun. Oh, hallelujah. That's right. That's right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we believe you. name. Thank you, Lord. May she know the power of the Most High has come upon her and you have done the work in her life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. 